0: for the opportunity to have this special service. Lord, we thank you for our country that you've allowed us to live in. We thank you for the forefathers of our country who came here in order to start a new country where people could be free and free to worship you. And Lord, we just thank you for giving us your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, our Bible lesson today is from Daniel chapter 4. From where? Daniel chapter 4, and I'm going to keep my pilgrim hat over here because I don't think a pilgrim would have worn it to preach in church, so take my hat off there. Well, in Daniel chapter 4, we learn an important story about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, anybody remember some of the things that have happened in Nebuchadnezzar so far? What else happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar. Anybody remember what has happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Okay, he threw some men into the fire. What else? Three men. Three men. And how many men ended up in the fire? Four. Four. There were four. And who was that fourth? That's right. It was Jesus. Let's see. Has Nebuchadnezzar had any dreams before? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar had a whole bunch of dreams. Anybody remember one of his crazy dreams? uh, uh, Okay, very good. And who was the head of gold? Very good. Iron and clay. And then what came up off out of the mountain? Remember something rolled down off the mountain? A big rock. rock. And who was the rock? Rock. It was Jesus. It was Jesus and his kingdom will cover the whole earth one day. Well, in Daniel chapter 4, we have another story. But I got to back up before the story in Daniel chapter 4 actually happened. One day, there was a Babylonian soldier. He had a really, really big name. His name was Nabopolassar. Nabopolassar had a baby boy. Well, his wife had the baby boy, but he was the dad. (laughs) And Nabopolassar, he was a great warrior. And one day, he was working for the Assyrian Empire, and he decided he wanted the kingdom of Babylon back. Because this other kingdom had been ruling it. So guess what Nabopolassar did? He went up and he beat the guys up that had taken over their kingdom. And he took the city of Babylon back and he became the ruler. Well, his little boy that was born when he was a general, his little boy, he had him trained in math and science and all the good subjects you learn in school. But he wanted his boy to do something really special. So he had his little boy trained to be a soldier. So as a little kid, he's learning military strategy and how to fight enemies and how to organize his soldiers. And he's also learning government. He's learning how to run a country as a kid. Well, he grows up, and as he gets older, this little boy grows into a soldier, Well, one day he was out leading the armies of Babylon, and one of his armies went out, and they went to the city of Nineveh. Any of you remember the city of Nineveh? Who in the Bible was sent to Nineveh to preach to them? No? Jonah. Yeah, we get their names confused sometimes. He was sent all the way over here to Nineveh. Well, Nineveh repented, right? And God spared them. But years later, they went back into being a wicked, wicked kingdom. And this soldier from Babylon went, and his armies fought them, and he won. And he took over the city of Nineveh, and it became part of the Babylonian Empire. Well, then he went over here to a place at the top of the Euphrates River called Carchemish And at Carchemish he was going to fight but the Egyptians heard that Nebuchadnezzar, the big general, was going to be fighting the Assyrians. So the Egyptian king, the Pharaoh Nico, he decided he's going to go up there and he's going to whoop those Babylonians. So he makes the trip from Egypt. Well, on his way up, he stops in Jerusalem. And on his way to Jerusalem he killed the king of Israel the king Josiah you've heard his name in the bible he killed king Josiah and but because he stopped and fought king Josiah he got delayed and by the time he got up here to Carchemish the general had defeated the Assyrian army and the great Assyrian kingdom was no longer great Well Pharaoh Nico got there and he started fighting the Babylonian general and the Babylonian general won the Battle of Carchemish. So Pharaoh Nico went home a loser, And the great general, whose name was Nebuchadnezzar, he started heading back home to the city of Babylon. Well, now he's a great man. I mean, his army defeated Nineveh, and now it's part of their empire. His army defeated the king of Egypt up at Carchemish. I mean, he's a hero. He got home, and his daddy had died, who was the king. But when he walked into the city of Babylon, they started cheering. They had a big celebration. He was an important warrior, and they wanted him to be their king. So Nebuchadnezzar was made the king of Babylon. Well, you know the story. We've talked about it already. He went to Israel, right? And he ended up going to Israel, and he went to Jerusalem, and he destroyed the city. But in Jerusalem, he met, he heard the name of a new God that he didn't know. This God's name was Jehovah. He didn't know about Jehovah. He worshiped a a God by the name of Marduk. In the Bible, he's called Baal. And that was his favorite God. In fact, they have his speech that he gave when he was inaugurated, the king of Babylon. And in it, he gave praise to his king, I mean, to his god Marduk. But when he got to Jerusalem, he heard about this king Jehovah. Well, he went into Jehovah's temple, and he destroyed it, and he stole all the furniture inside God's temple in Jerusalem, and he brought it back to Babylon, and he was going to use it for himself. So he put it in his storehouses. Well, Babylon, met, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar met a man by the name of Daniel. You remember that? And he named him Bel-Teshazzar. He named him after his favorite god, Marduk, or Baal. That's why Bel-Teshazzar, he was named after his god. And he met Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he saw how powerful God was that when his people obeyed his law, God blessed them. And that was pretty amazing. But then, if you remember, in Daniel chapter 2, he got to find out that God was an all-knowing God, because remember, he had that dream, and he couldn't remember the dream, and so Daniel told him what he dreamed and then told him what it meant. Well, he was impressed with this God, this Jehovah God, and he knew he was a, a really smart God, that he knew everything, but he still didn't believe in him with his heart. Well, then in Daniel chapter 3, remember, he built that big old God out there in that big field, and he had everybody come and worship him, and he, he took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he threw them in the fiery furnace, and when he got through, he made that declaration. He said, nobody is allowed to say anything bad about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because he is so powerful, he can deliver his servants from the fire. But still, this great king didn't realize that the only reason why he got to be king of Babylon is because God had chosen him to be king of Babylon, and God had used him to defeat the Assyrians, and God had used him to defeat the people at Nineveh, and the, the, the king of Egypt, their Pharaoh, and God had used him to come in and take the Babylonian, uh, the Jews and bring them to Babylon. God had allowed him to do all this. God had used him to be his own servant. But he thought that he had done all of this himself. And instead of being thankful, he got pride. He got at peace. He wasn't having a whole lot of battles. He had conquered all these great kingdoms around. His kingdom was huge. And the Bible says that he was at peace in his palace, meaning he didn't have any troubles in the world. And one night he went to bed and he went to sleep. And all of a sudden he started tossing and he started turning because, oh, no, here he went again. He's having another weird dream he woke up. This time he remembers his dream. So he goes into his courtroom, and he calls in all the wise men again, and he calls in the sorcerers so that they can ask the devil, and he calls in all these people in to find out what his dream meant, because he knew it was important. And they came in, and none of them could tell him what his dream meant. Guess who he saved for last to question? Daniel. Daniel was the last man. Who should have been the first person he asked? Yeah, Jesus, that's a good answer. He should have asked Daniel first, right? Because Daniel knew Jesus and he should have already figured out that Daniel would be the man with the right answer, but he saved him for last. And when Daniel came in, Daniel said, okay, King, tell me about your dream. Well, he had this dream and he said, I had this dream and there's this big tree started growing, this huge tree, and it grew way, way up into the sky. And its branches came out, and it covered the whole earth. And, and all the leaves were beautiful, and it had all this fruit on it, and all the animals and all the birds could eat of the fruit of this tree. But then all of a sudden, this messenger, this angel, came down from heaven and told him, said, cut the tree down. And so they cut the tree down. And he said, cut it down to the roots, but only leave a stump. And then he said, let all the animals run away and let the leaves all fall off and let the fruit be scattered, but leave the stump and let the heart of that tree be turned from a man's heart to an animal's heart until seven times pass and he knows that God is the ruler in heaven and that he's the one who picks out who's going to be a ruler. I know. Well, Nebuchadnezzar woke up, and he, tell, he, 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 he tells Daniel the dream. And when he got through telling Daniel the dream, Daniel was so disturbed, the Bible says for one whole hour, he couldn't say a word. Have you ever been really scared? One day, one of our boys went out in the front yard, and there was a huge coral snake. Well, we were fixing to go Swimming, and so he was in his shorts and his flip flops, and he was walking across our front yard, and this huge coral snake goes right past him, and he was so scared he ran into the house, and he goes, uh, 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 uh. he couldn't tell us what it was anyway. Then he went and he got his shovel and chopped his head off, but. But for a few minutes, he couldn't say anything because he was so scared. Well, that's what happened to Daniel. He realized what the dream meant, and it disturbed him so bad he couldn't talk for a whole hour. And then finally, Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, tell me, please tell me what the dream means. He said, oh, king, I wish this would happen to your enemy and not to you. He said, but that tree is you. You're a great king. You have a great kingdom. I mean, his kingdom ruled over the whole known earth at the time. It was the greatest kingdom. At that point, the greatest kingdom of all time. I mean, it was huge. He was rich. He was powerful. And he had all these subjects all over the known world at the time that he took care of, that he fed. He said, but... The angel's message was that you're going to be cut down so that you can learn a lesson. God wants you to learn that he's the one who gave you all this stuff, that he's the one who gave you the kingdom, that he's the one who made you the ruler of Babylon. You didn't come up with this yourself. You did all of this in his power. He wants you to learn this. He said, but he's not going to cut you off forever, but you're going to lose your mind and you're going to be taken out of the kingdom. And for seven years, you're going to live out with the animals. And at the end of seven years, when you acknowledge that God is the ruler, then your kingdom will be given back to you. But he said, I've got some advice for you, Nebuchadnezzar. Listen, good You should repent, and maybe God won't do this to you. He said, you need to start being really good and be treat poor people really kind. And so he gives him a couple of instructions to do. Well, for one month, nothing happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He was fine. Two months went by, Nebuchadnezzar was fine. Three months went by, Nebuchadnezzar was fine. 12.) I don't know if God was just waiting 12 months on purpose or if God was just waiting for him to get too cocky, but after 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar got really cocky. And he goes out and he starts looking over his kingdom. And he's walking along the wall and he's looking at this beautiful kingdom that he built. He was impressed. I built a pretty good kingdom. Look at all this stuff. He got to thinking about his big kingdom. He had built these enormous walls. He had this gate that was huge, the gate of the gods, and you would walk through this big, beautiful gate. The bricks, they say. I was listening to an archaeologist this week that he made special bricks. He didn't like the clay bricks that they made back then because they would, uh, they would rot too fast. So he started making Fire bricks. They would put them in, and they would heat them in a, ferny, a fiery furnace, and they would bake these bricks. They made the bricks so good that a couple thousand years after Nebuchadnezzar was the ruler, the the Muslims came in and tore down the walls of the city, and they took those walls, and they I mean they took all those bricks, and they took them from Babylon here, and they took them all the way over to Baghdad and they started building the city of Baghdad. Today, buildings in Baghdad are made out of the bricks that Nebuchadnezzar made for his city. He, was, he wanted his city to be built good. It was going to be built strong. It was going to be huge. His whole kingdom was huge, but this city... They tell us that he had these beautiful gardens, these beautiful hanging gardens. His wife was from Persia, and she missed all the plants and the pretty trees that there were in Persia. And so he had all these trees and stuff brought there, and he built up this huge garden with all these layers, and he planted all these trees, and he made this as a present for his wife so she wouldn't get homesick for Persia so much. He made this big, this beautiful, this strong, this powerful city. And he thought he had done a pretty good job. But the Bible says that in the very hour that he said, Oh, look at this kingdom that I, Nebuchadnezzar, have made. That who made? Nebuchadnezzar said that he made it. That at that very hour he heard a voice from heaven that told him that he was about to be driven from men, and all of a sudden his head started feeling funny. Uh, uh. He didn't know who he was, he didn't know what he was. How do you talk? I don't know how to talk. <laughs> All he could do is make animal noises. I mean, he just went crazy. He all of a sudden thought he was an animal. They had to get rid of him. I mean, he might bite the queen. So they took Nebuchadnezzar and they drove him out those beautiful gates that he had made. He thought he was a god. They sent him out those gates, uh, probably the gate of the gods. I don't know. They got rid of him, though, and they got rid of him fast. Within an hour, they were getting him out of the city. And he went out into the wilderness and the bible said his fingernails grew out like claws like bird's claws his hair grew out like animals like um birds feathers and for seven years he crawled around eating grass with the cows cow goes moo that's a funny looking cow he looked back up moo and he thought he was an animal the great king of Babylon, the great warrior, the one who had defeated Pharaoh Nico, the Pharaoh of Egypt, the one who had taken the, the Jews captive, the one who had destroyed Nineveh and now controlled Nineveh, the one who made these great bricks that are going to last for thousands of years and they're going to build other cities with his bricks. I mean, this great king that was so smart and had such a great kingdom, all of a sudden he's crawling around on the ground eating grass. Why? Because he thought In his pride that he had built his city. He thought in his pride that he had won those wars. He thought in his pride that he had created all of those beautiful things that he enjoyed. But who was it that really had the power to give him those things? God. Everything he had was given to him by God. All the riches of the nations he had destroyed destroyed. God had given him those nations. God had given him those king, that kingdom. God had given him the smart, and wisdom, and ability to make those bricks. God had given him the ability to build that huge, beautiful city. It was all from God, but he thought it was all from him. Yes, sir. The what? Oh, okay. So he thought he had done all this. Well, he's crawling around for how many years? Seven. seven years. The dew's on him every morning. Boy, he must have been the stinkiest king on the face of the earth. Well, at the end of seven years, the Bible says that all of a sudden, one day, he looked up to heaven. And when he looked up to heaven, everything changed. Instead of looking around and looking at it himself, Nebuchadnezzar looked up. And when he looked up, his mind came back to him. He realized again who he was. And Nebuchadnezzar said, he told Daniel this, and Daniel wrote it down. He said, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He says, I'm not so important. I realize I'm not important at all. I am nothing compared to God. And he, God, doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? He says, nobody has the right to look at God and ask him, what do you think you're doing? I'm mad at you, God. I don't like what you're doing to me. He said, nobody has the right to talk to God that way because he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And finally, he comes to the point where Nebuchadnezzar realizes that this God that he first heard of when he invaded Israel, when he went into his temple in Jerusalem, he realizes he is the true God. He is the living God. He is the God that has the power. And God gave him his kingdom back and he moved back into the palace. But what was our memory verse that we memorized a few minutes ago? Anybody remember it? Psalm 105, 1. Can anybody say it? Can we say it together? Oh, give. Thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds. Make known his deeds. What does that mean? That means let people know what God has done, right? Do you want to hear how, how Daniel started? Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar came to Daniel one day and said, Daniel, I want you to write this down. And listen what he said. After all this was over, he wanted everybody to know his story. And Nebuchadnezzar had Daniel write, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people. Who did he want want to hear this story? All All people and nations and languages. He wanted this translated to every language that dwelleth in all the earth. So everybody on earth, he wants them to hear this. He says, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders. He wanted everybody to know the deeds that God had done, that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. So Nebuchadnezzar learned that nothing he had belonged to him. Who had given it to him? God. God you know what? The only way somebody ever becomes a ruler of any nation in the world is because Jehovah God allows them to. He's the one that has the power. He's the one that has the authority. And Nebuchadnezzar learned this lesson the hard way. So on Thanksgiving day, should you walk through your bedroom and go look at all of the Lego kingdoms that I have built? Or should we say, thank you, God, for all the Legos? You see the difference in attitude? That was pretty funny, right? I mean, to think about walking through your room and bragging about your Lego kingdom. But sometimes we get prideful, don't we? You sing a song in church, and you go and sit down, and you're like, oh, well, that was pretty. I hope everybody heard. Or you do something good at home, and you're like, I sure hope Mom saw me. Um, Mom didn't see me. Hey, Mommy, do you know what I did? What I did? did you see me? I was nice to my sister. I didn't hit her this time. (laughs) And we start bragging and we get prideful and we think of all the things that we did. But instead of being like Nebuchadnezzar and bragging about what we did, we should thank God for what he did and all the things that he gave us, right? So are y'all going to do that this week? So on Thanksgiving Day, when somebody asks you, what are you thankful for? Start thinking now so that when somebody asks you that on Thanksgiving Day, you can tell them what you're thankful for. We sat around our table this week. Miss Laura going to have the baby any day now. And so this week we had Thanksgiving at our house. And we sat around the table and I said, well, what are y'all thankful for? And kids started saying, I'm thankful for my mom, my beautiful mom. I'm thankful for the new baby. I'm thankful for our food. I'm thankful for, people started mentioning, one of the kids said, I'm thankful for Pastor Hovey. And everybody started listing things they were thankful for. for You're thankful for God. God. That's awesome. What are you thankful for? You're thankful for everything. That's a good attitude to have. That'll keep you having a good attitude, right? So when you get to, when you get to pouting and tempted to pout, just think about the things you can be thankful for. I'm thankful for Jesus taking away our sins. That's good. I, you know what? And that leads right into this song. Let's sing this song again. She said she's thankful for Jesus taking away our sins. Why don't we sing this again? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul.